You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Right into the Word. Um, so we started a series uh, three, this was the third Sunday, and uh, the, the title of the series is, is titled Dear Church, and uh, we've been zoning in or concentrating on the letters from Jesus to the churches of Asia or Asia Minor in the, in the uh, first century church, and there were more than seven churches, uh, but uh, the, the, the Lord had uh, John focus on these seven uh, uh, centers, these, these cities, communities where these churches were. And uh, we, we have learned that in the church in Ephesus, the first week that we started the series, uh, that church did a lot of wonderful things. They did a lot of good. Um, they, they, they loved to, to do the works of God. Uh, they persevered. They, 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 they struggled through all the difficulties of, of life and, and, and held true to, to Jesus uh, they, they were very uh, careful about not letting anyone distort the gospel. Uh, they didn't want to uh, live in any kind of sin that, that might uh, cause them to, to, to not honor the Lord. But they had one thing that, that Jesus said, there's one thing that's lacking, which is the most important thing. And what was lacking from that church was they weren't walking in the love of God. So their love relationship with, with Jesus was lacking, and that... Uh, uh, made everything around them. Their love for people was lacking as well. And he said, that's the most important thing, that you have to have a love for God. And with that love, you have to have a love for God's people. And you have to love people in general. And he said, because you're not doing that, I'll remove the lampstand. And that lampstand is that light that every church should have to have influence in their world. And so how important is it for us to have the love of God and have the light of God so that we can be the lampstand for people to find hope in the only hope that there is in this world, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? So then we went on next week to, uh, or last week, to the church in Smyrna. And in that church, we found that uh, the, the, the devil, the enemy, was working inside the church. And there was slander, people talking about each other. Uh, they were actually uh, uh, getting people, uh, taking people into prison or, 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 you know, doing things where they were taking the church into prison. Uh, and all of these things were happening in, in that church. So the enemy was working internally in the church in Smyrna. And if you weren't here last week, I would strongly encourage you to listen to the podcast from last week. And I think you'll, get, you'll glean some very good uh, uh, information and some, some truth that is going to help you. Uh, this week, we're going to the church in Pergamum. And uh, as we look at that church, and I'll talk, uh, elaborate on this more, uh, it wasn't that the enemy was working in the church, it was that the enemy was working outside of the church to try and stifle the work of God, and we'll look at exactly what that means. Then next week, we're going to go to the church in Thyra, Tyra, and then after that, the church in Sardis, and then the church of Philadelphia, and the church of Laodicea. And what these churches needed, I want you to grab a hold of this, what those churches needed in the first century was they needed encouragement because they were facing persecution and they were facing many trials. And, uh, and, and so God wants the church to know that he cares very, very deeply 
about the church. He cares about the church. The church is not a building. The church is God's people. And he cares about everyone that has named Jesus as Lord. And no matter what you're going through, he sees what your difficulties, he sees your, your struggles, he sees the, 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 the pressures that we face, and he's with us. And so he wanted them to know that. And I, I, I mentioned some things that I, I want for you guys to grab a hold of, and, and what I mentioned uh, is that there's four main positions on, on uh, the millennium or the, the book of Revelation, the, the thousand years. And, every, and those four positions, all of them are, come from great scholars. Uh, many great scholars take different positions, but all of them are, are, are wonderful. And, uh, and they disagree with each other in different ways. But the one thing that every position agrees on is what I want us to hold on to. And that is that Jesus is coming back for his people. Okay? But he's coming back like a thief in the night. And so if anyone says to you, if I was to preach that, you know, Jesus is coming next week, you would, I would say run away. Run away from anyone that teaches that because he says no one knows the day nor the hour because he's going to come like a thief in the night. So if anyone tells you to drink the Kool-Aid, don't drink it. Run. And if anyone says, starts predicting, don't do it, that's, it, it helps us to understand where you can grab a hold of some sound teaching, Okay. Um, but I did mention that there are seven attitudes that every Christ follower should have when it comes to uh, uh, Christ's return. And I, the first week I said we should be eager and waiting, eagerly waiting for Christ to come. We should be excited about it. We found scripture from that. Uh, the, 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 the week after that, which was last week, we should love his appearing. We're going to see Jesus face to face. And we should, we should be excited about that. We should love his appearing. And this week, the attitude that, that, that I want to present to you is that every follower of Jesus, uh, we should exercise patience. We eagerly wait for him. We can't wait to see him face to face. But the Bible says, be patient. Don't give up. Stay strong. In fact, uh, in Revelation, in chapter 1, John opens up in verse 9 by saying this, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation. In other words, I'm with you. I'm struggling with this. I'm your brother in Christ, and I'm struggling with what you're struggling with. I'm your, your brother in the tribulation and the kingdom. And then he says, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. In other words, Jesus is going to come back. It doesn't matter what people say. He's going to come back at the very right time. He won't be late. He won't be early. He'll be right on time. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this in his epistle. He said in, in chapter 5, verse 7, he said, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Sometimes we get impatient. Lord, why am I going through this? Be patient until the coming of the Lord. And the context that James is writing in is he's saying, In the suffering that you're going through, in this world that, that, that is full of struggles, Full of difficulties. Why do we eagerly wait for, for Jesus? Why do we want to see him face to face? Because this is not our home. Our home, our eternal home will have no cancer. Our eternal home will have no Alzheimer's. It won't have dementia. It won't have, uh, you know, all the leukemias and, and all the liver diseases and all that stuff. Our eternal home is, is there will be no more rapes. There'll be no more molestations. There'll be no more abuse. Tears will be wiped. 
Joy will fill your heart, and you'll be in the presence of God Almighty. So James says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Uh, Peter wrote this in his second epistle. He, he was talking about the, the, the Lord is coming, you know, the, the, the Lord is coming, and, and people around him were saying, well, you just keep saying the Lord is coming. He hasn't come. He hasn't come. He hasn't come back to the second coming. And, and Peter said this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, that, that your neighbors and your, and your family members and your friends should all come to the place. Repentance means you turn around. You turn away from, from, from walking away from God and walking in the world and the things of the world. You turn around and you come back to God. You change your mind and you say, I need you, Lord. I'm tired of doing life on my own. And then he goes on and says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Everything I've said. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And we're talking about the second coming, okay? The, the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. There will be a purging by fire. You know, the, the, the heavens will burn and there will be a purging on the earth. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? He, he encourages them. He says, there's going to be this great day. God is patient, but you be patient. But remember that you need to walk in the holiness and the godliness of God. Verse 12, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how he says God and this Jesus coming? Jesus is who? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting. According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. Here's what we need to know about that, is that the only thing wrong with our current existence, this earth that God created, this good earth, and, and what the heavens that he created, the only thing wrong with this is sin. This earth was created for men and women. It's great. It's good. Jesus says this is when, uh, in the creation account. God says after everything was created, this is good. And then he said this is very good. And so there's going to be this purging where, where this earth will be cleansed of all unrighteousness, of all sickness, of all hurt, of all pain, and righteousness will dwell here, and the heavens will be exposed in beauty. And there's a lot that I don't know, but I know that. I'm not going to speculate, but I know that because the Bible tells us so. Amen? So Peter is saying when people mock you and they make fun of you because you're waiting for Jesus to come back, you can be sure that God is not slow, but his desire is for all who will come to come to Christ. It's the attitude of come quickly, Lord, but we wait patiently until it happens. And we share the goodness of God every day with the people around us. So last week we learned about the enemy working in the church. We read in the, that in the church of Smyrna, there were those who, were, who called themselves followers of Jesus. They said they were Jews, but they were of the synagogue of Satan. 
and they slandered and they imprisoned and they tried to financially destroy the church. But Jesus said, I know what you're going through. I see everything that they're doing to you. I have your back. And today we're going to move forward. And we're going to see how the enemy in Pergamum was working not from the inside, but from the outside of the church. If we were to look at uh, modern times and kind of relate to the seven churches, Ephesus would have been regarded as the New York City of Asia. It was a huge metropolis where there was a port city where all the ships came in with commerce and, and, and there were two main road systems that came through that city. And Pergamum that we're going to look at today would be considered Washington, D.C. of Asia. The political powers were there. The, the, the Roman imperial power had its seat in Pergamum. The earliest temple of, of, of state-sponsored worship of the emperor was in Pergamum. So when they first set up that you need to worship the Caesar, you need to worship Nero and Domitian. You, you worship them right here in Pergamum, right in this that is this temple in the city. We're going to see in the text that they talk about the throne of Satan. They might have been referring to this temple that was set up for the emperor. At Pergamum, there was an external battle, and it came from the outside world. And there's many in here that you feel the battle from the outside. You start walking with Jesus. You start walking with God, and the world wants you to deny your faith. They don't want you to pray anymore. They don't want you to talk about God anymore. They don't want your kids to do it. They want to take God out of different places. That's exactly what the church in Pergamum was going through. So let me pray and we'll go into the word. Heavenly Father, thank you again, Lord God, for bringing us together. Lord, there's such a wonderful spirit here in this second service. I pray your blessing over every person, every mind, every heart every life. I pray, Lord, as we open up your word, as we open up your truth, that you will allow me to speak as, a, as your messenger in a way that will glorify you, in a way that will bring you honor, Lord. And I pray that hearts will be open and receptive to what you have for your people. And for those people that are here, Lord God, that are maybe seeking something that is greater than them, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts as well. I pray that ears will be open to, to hear what your spirit says, not, not the natural voice, but what the spirit says. And I pray, Lord God, that, that when we leave here, there'll be a change in our hearts, there'll be a change in our minds and in our actions. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So, so verse 12, it says, and to the angel or the messenger of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword... That's Jesus. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you, there where, certain where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold on to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. 
So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So the Nicolaitans were teaching the same things that Balaam was teaching, that Jesus was noticing that. And then in verse 16, he says, Therefore repent, turn turn around, turn away. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now, let me just touch on that last part because there's a lot of, a lot of debate. There's a lot of opinions from scholars. What does that mean? What does that white stone mean? And all of these opinions disagree with each other. And so from my reading, from my learning, I have found that, that, that one of the teachings, which, which sounds accurate, you know, sounds like it could be something that, that, that maybe where the Lord was directing, there were these white stones that were given. They were like square stones. And these stones were given as access, and they had a name of, uh, of something where you wanted to get access into. It was like a ticket. And you'd have these special white stones that, you would, that they would give you if you were privileged enough to go into these exclusive meetings. Now we have tickets. You want to go to a, a, a big ball game. You want to go to the Super Bowl, they give you a ticket. Or you have something on your phone that you can actually present, right? You can scan it. Well, in, in those days, they had these white little Stones, like, like little cards. It was, their, it was their credit card, per se. Possibly, what, what he's saying is, we're going to present you a white stone with, with the name that only you know. And that name will give you access into this new reality of you being a child of God. And with this, you have a relationship with the Almighty forever. It possibly could have been something like that. The manna, the manna was from the Old Testament. We, we, we know that, that Moses was given, uh, the, the children of Israel were given manna in the wilderness when they were in the wilderness for 40 years and, and this manna would, uh, uh, would appear every morning and they would eat this manna that was given from heaven. And then in John 6, Jesus said, your fathers, he's talking to the Jews, your fathers gave you manna in the wilderness, but I am the true bread. I am the manna from heaven. So that hidden manna could be that, that, that now we have this reality that we have Jesus as our Savior and we're eating the bread of life continuously. You might disagree with me. You won't be the first. But it's pliable that it could be that. Now, the church in Pergamum was commended for, and we're going to look at what they were commended for. What did, what did Jesus say? Way to go, church in Pergamum. Number one, holding on to the light of God despite being in the darkest of places. How, how many of you know that sometimes we're in a dark place in our life? A dark city, a dark country, a dark culture, even sometimes a dark family. And I'm not talking about Mexicans. I'm talking about the darkness that we live in, right? But have you noticed that in the darkest of places, God's light is still brighter? 
I love the way the message paraphrase puts it. It says, I see where you live, right under the shadow of Satan's throne. Right in the dark place where where only the light uh, that is there is your faith in me. Our faith in Christ is so bright in the darkest of places. And have you noticed that, that walking with Jesus, it comes with pressure. And pressure that we face usually comes from the darkest places in our world. I don't know about you, but I came from dark places. I came from a dark place. And I I love what Paul uh, wrote to the Ephesians. In in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. He's talking to me. I don't know if he's talking to you, but he's talking to me. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. And then he says, obeying the devil. That's not me saying it, that's God. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. The one who's behind and orchestrated all the things of evil that are going on around us. All the hurts, all the abuse, all the rapes, all the molestation, all these things come from a, 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 a power that the devil is operating. He's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And then he says, all of us used to live that way. And, and Paul includes himself. Here, here's Paul. Uh, 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 he used to be a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. Everyone looked about, upon him as, as some, somebody of high esteem. He said, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. nature. But our very nature, I mean, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. You see, darkness is not something new to humanity. All of us have been pulled out of darkness. And those of us that have been pulled out of darkness and are walking with Jesus have been pulled out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were in this dark place in the shadows, in the shadow of the enemy, right in the dark place. And God, by his grace and his mercy, he brought us into this place of newness and wonderful light. And he opened up a whole new life for us. By his grace. By nothing that we did. Because everything that we did was here. Everything that we did was here. But everything that he did was here. And he works in us. Paul went on to say in in, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, in verse 8, he says, at one time, and I want you to hear this, he says, you were darkness. He didn't say you lived in darkness. He says you were darkness. He says, but now you are light. In the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let your life ex- uh, 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 just exemplify the things of God. Let your, let your, let your life begin to be ref- a reflection of God shining his bright light into your soul and into your heart. 
And when we're pulled out of this, this, this dark world, when we're pulled out of the shadow of, of, of Satan's domain, uh, you connect to, to the church where the light of Christ radiates and God moves through his people. God moves through every single one of us if we allow him. But how many of you know that that comes with pressure? When we start walking with the Lord, there's, there's great pressure that comes upon us. And, 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 and Peter put it like this. Peter, in, 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 in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires anymore. But you'll be anxious to do the will of God. And then he goes on, he says, You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality. He's talking about when you were here. Their immorality, uh, another translation said their, their orgies and, and where they live. That's exactly where the church in Pergamum lived. And their lust and their feasting and their drunkenness and their wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. And, and I'll tell you this, that, that worshiping idols, putting anything before God will always lead you down a road of immorality, sexual immorality, and, and, and putting things before God go hand in hand. Because the enemy will distort the beautiful union of a husband and a wife. And then he says this in verse, verse 4. And of course, your former friends, they're surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you, they talk about you, they persecute you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. What are you doing doing this new thing? Well, who do you think you are? I know who you are. I know who you are, dude. You used to be with me right over here. Get over here. Come on. You're better over here. No, I'm better over here, bro. Come, you come over here. No, I'll get exposed. Yeah, it's a good thing to get exposed. It's a good thing to get exposed because then God can heal all the hurt. Because God can pour his oil over where you're wounded. And all the things that have happened. Many of us have come out of this life. And God commands you when you do. That you are the light in a dark world. God commends you for doing that. The second thing that the church in Pergamum was commended for is they held on to the name of the one who saved them. Let me say this to you. You need to grab a hold of this. The enemy and the world, they want for you to recant your faith. Do you believe in Jesus? Well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. They want for you to recant your faith. The world will do everything they can for you to have, to, to have you deny your trust. They don't care if you trust in religion. Just don't trust in the name of Jesus. They'll point you toward religion. The Romans didn't care if you had religion. But there was something about the name of Jesus. Paul, writing to the Philippians, he said, Therefore God, 
being the Father, elevated him, being Jesus, to the place of highest honor. And he gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, can you say that with me? At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love, I love what, um, what Glenn uh, Packiam, the pastor in, in Colorado Springs, I just read this last night, and I, I said, I got I to share this with, 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 uh, in this message. He, he put this in a blog uh, that's titled, What Does It Mean to Be a Prophetic Church? A church that's actually living out the purposes of God right here in this day. And he said this, the early Christians were not killed because Christianity was a religion Rome did not like. Rome welcomed any and all religions, but they were particularly threatened by Christianity. Why? Because Christianity made a radical, new, and exclusive claim. Jesus alone is the Lord of all. Worthy of worship, all other gods must be renounced as false. Rome viewed this as a dangerous belief, and every time the church gathered to worship, they were speaking the truth to power by confessing Jesus as the true Lord, using terms Caesar had applied to himself as political propaganda, and thus declaring the gods of the empire as false. Can I tell you something? What they were saying is you can, you can, you can worship any god you want, but don't threaten our gods. Jesus threatens every God, small g, known to man, because he is above every God, and every God is false. Amen? So the, the, the Pergamum Christians were not being persecuted from the outside for their worship of the emperor. They were being persecuted for... Uh, they were not being persecuted for their worship of Zeus, the savior of the Greeks. They were being persecuted for their worship of Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. And the Lord, the Lord wrote to Pergamum and said, but you continue boldly in my name. You never once denied my name, even when the pressure was worst. I'm going to ask second service a question. How many of us in here continue boldly in the name of the Lord? Do you notice that people don't get offended when you use Buddha's name? Do you notice that people won't get offended if you use Muhammad's name, but you start dropping that J name? And people start getting, hey, 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 I'm uncomfortable. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus changes lives. Because the name of Jesus is not in the grave anymore. He rose on the third day. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's alive and well, and he can change your life, and he can change your heart. There's power in that name. That name transforms hearts. That name forgives sins. That name saves our soul from a fiery pit. That name is an amazing name, and if when that name is constantly on your lips and in your mouth and in your voice and in your words, you will walk victorious no matter how dark your world is around you. Because the demons shake at the name of Jesus. 
The third thing they were commended for, the church in Pergamum, they knew that name is worth dying for. Beloved, I want you to, to hear me. Not only is Jesus worth living for, Jesus is worth dying for. I know that's hard in America where we, we don't want to be uncomfortable, but there's, people, there's brothers and sisters in the Middle East that right now, they're dying for their faith. We got brothers and sisters that right now, they're getting, getting beheaded by the sword because of the name of Jesus. As John was writing this letter, being exiled at Patmos, he knew that his closest friends... The 11 apostles, all of them had died because of their faith in Jesus. Tradition tells us the apostle Peter, when, he, when they were going to crucify him, he said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me backwards. And they had him, he had him turn him around and crucify him upside down. But they were willing to die for the name of Jesus. Why not John? Because God had a book for him to write. God had a vision for him to see. God had an island for him to go visit. Not the way that he would like to go visit an island, but he had an island for him to go visit so that the glory of God would be revealed to him so that he could write it to the church so that we could glean the glory of God in our sitting right now. And the glory of God wants to be revealed to you, and it's only revealed to you in the name of Jesus Are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to die for him? For me. Am I willing to live for him? Am I willing to not be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ? Am I willing to die for him? Lord, that I would be granted worthy to die for you. That's a hard statement, right? Lord, that I would be granted worthy to suffer and die for you. God calls us to that, okay? The church in Pergamum was rebuked for, and this is, I'm going to go into one thing. And I prayed, first service, I'm going to pray again. Father, as as I talk about this, Lord, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your clarity. I pray for your boldness. In Jesus' name. The church in Pergamum was rebuked for allowing sexual sin to permeate their church because of idol worship. The reason I I pray for this is because in the church, there's been such a negative connotation when it comes to sexual intimacy. And and what what I want for for you to to, to know, those of you that have been here uh, for a while, you know that I preached a series on sexual, on sexual intimacy, talking about how uh, God designed sex and sexual intimacy between a man and a, a husband and a wife to be very good and to be honorable before him. Okay? The reason that I, I, I want to be very, very careful and I want to preach in a way that's going to really reveal the goodness of God is because people have heard from the church that sex is bad. That sex is a bad thing. It's a dark thing. It's only a dark thing when we, when we distort it from God's original intent for a husband and a wife. Someone say amen. amen. Okay. Thank you for doing that. But what happens is that sexual sin and putting anything, hear me now, putting anything 
above God will always go hand in hand. Anytime that you put God and you take him out of the equation and you don't elevate him and honor him, there is a potential for you to distort sexual intimacy the way that God designed. But when you honor God, when you, when you worship him in, in everything and you put him first and you put him even in the bedroom, you will, your sexual intimacy will always honor him and you'll do things that will please him and that will actually be better for you and for your life and for your spouse. So this is what, what, what uh, Jesus wrote to the church in Pergamum. He said, I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among, among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. Now, that's important because what happens with this teaching is it will trip us up. Instead of walking in this, in this straight path and walking in, in, in the ability to navigate, you're, you're, you're tripped up and you're not able to do the things that God called you to do. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols. Now, I'm going to go back and, and reiterate what I, what I shared last week is that the, 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 the thing about pagan worship and, 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 and the, 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 when they worshiped the pagan gods in the, in the temples is that they would have this, this meat that was sacrificed to their, to their gods. And when they did, they also had temple prostitutes. And these temple prostitutes, the way that men worshiped is they would go and have sexual relationships with these prostitutes in worship and then have a feast afterwards. Exactly. History tells us that. So, so what, what he's saying is this is exactly what happened with Balaam. This is exactly what happened with, with Balak. In fact, if you look at when the, when the Ten Commandments were given and when, when uh, Aaron listened to the people of Israel and they built a golden calf, it tells you there that they, had, uh, they, they were drinking and playing, and that word for playing in the Old Testament is actually having sexual intimacy. So as Moses is away getting, getting the, 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 the commandments from the Lord, as he's spending time with the Lord, he comes down off the mountain, and, 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 and God already spoke that. They're already, uh, uh, um, they're already distorting everything by building a calf. He comes into the community of, of Israel, and they're drinking, they're partying, and they're saying, well, make us another God. And guess what they did? Make us another God. Let's drink. Let's have sex. So anytime that you put anything before God, there is a potential for you, distort, for you to distort God's design for sexual intimacy. Now let's go back, okay? He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. And let me say this because it's important. I'm going to say it again. Sexual intimacy is God's design and it's good. Just read the account in Genesis. For this cause, after, after God made uh, Eve out of Adam's side, and I'm not going to go into all that, but that there's a message in that. And he, brought the, he, he fashioned the, the rib into the woman, and, and, and women to this day are still fashioning themselves. It's a joke. You're still stuck with the sexual part. You're still fashioning. And he brought the woman to the man, and then it says in, in the, the last verse in, 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 in uh, Genesis chapter 2, for this cause, a man, man, male, shall leave his father, male, and mother, female, and cleave to his wife, female, and they shall become one. 
in everything, in, 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 in their physical, uh, uh, physicalness, which is sexual intimacy, in their, in their uh, mental uh, situations, they share everything mentally, in their monetary, in every aspect, emotionally, you're one. And then the next verse says, and they were naked and had no shame. And had no shame. So sexual intimacy is a beautiful thing designed by God for, for, for intimacy, for, for procreating, for, for, for populating the earth. It's beautiful. But any time that you put anything before God, there's a potential that you'll distort the good design that God has for husband and wife. Because the very next chapter, chapter 3 of Genesis, the serpent comes in. Now hear me now. The serpent comes in and he begins to question the woman. And he says, did God say that you cannot eat of this tree in the middle of the garden? So the serpent will always try to usurp, to take away God's authority over us, his beautiful design for us. He wants us to question all the goodness. Don't you know, after the woman said, yeah, we we can't eat the tree from the middle of the garden. We can't even touch it. God never said that, but of course, he started to distort the word of God. And this is exactly what happens when the enemy comes into your life. He will try for you to question God's faithfulness, God's goodness, but he'll distort the word of God. He says, no, 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 no. Now, don't you know that when you eat of that fruit, you will have the knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God. It's exactly what's happening to the church in Pergamum. It's exactly what happens to every, every place. Anytime that, that the enemy comes in and you put something before God, he will lead you. He will lead you down a road that can distort all the good things of God for our lives. I want you to know, beloved, you need to know this, that sexual intimacy is wonderful because God designed it. And God told, God told Adam at the very beginning, he says, be fruitful and multiply the earth. So there's an innate, there's an innate uh, yearning in every man. This is so important for us to grab a hold of because you're wondering, Pastor, I just struggle with my thoughts. I struggle with all this. I, there's an innate yearning in every man because God gave a mandate to, to, men, to, to men, real men. Can we talk about real men? Go and multiply the earth. There's an innate yearning in us to do this for God. And every man alive, every man that's breathing has sexual temptations because of that innate yearning that we have. But it's when we're in fellowship with Jesus Christ and the the power of the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our minds that we have self-control. To use that yearning and that, that, that desire with our spouse and that we should come together 
in intimacy and grow in relationship. Hear me now. Grow in relationship in a beautiful and God-honoring way that's going to make you love each other in a greater way. And it has nothing to do with evil or darkness, but it honors the name of God. And so the devil will play havoc on the good things of God. And it's time for the church to rise up and call what's good, good, and what's not from God, evil. Amen? Sure is quiet. I'm done. After that note, I'm going to end with a prayer, but I'm going to say this before. Where God is first, someone needs to hear this. Where God is first and where Jesus' name is elevated, not only in public, not in our public life, but in our private life, you will see healthy individuals who become healthy marriage partners. Man, this is so good. The reason that that's so important, beloved, that, we're, that we're, we, put, we elevate God, we honor Jesus, is because when we do that, not only will it be good for us as individuals, it'll be good for our marriage, but not only will it be good for our marriage, it'll be good for our society. We have a society that is, that is, that is just, I mean, they are just throwing darts. They're just throwing stuff at, at the goodness of God and saying sex is just something you just do. Sex is not something you just do. Something is sex, Sexual intimacy is a gift of God that we honor God and we honor that person that God has placed in our lives with and we come into it in holy matrimony and in the goodness of God. Someone needs to hear that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving your church. Thank you for being faithful to us in everything we face. Lord, we learn today that you've called us to be the light of the world in the midst of darkness. And we trust in the name of Jesus. And we choose to profess your name even when the world around us is uncomfortable with it. Holy Spirit, empower us to lift the banner of Christ high. Not only through our words, but through our actions. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everyone keep their heads bowed. For that person in here that you've come and, and maybe the Lord's nudging on your heart and, and you're missing something in your life, but you're actually missing someone in your life, and that's Jesus Christ. And he wants to become your friend. He wants to become your Savior. He wants to become your Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer. And just agree with me if this is you. God, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. Today, I realize I need a Savior. I realize I need a Lord. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. 
I open up my heart to you, Lord. I open up my life to you. I speak and confess that today I'm making you my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. And I'm opening up my heart to believe that you died on the cross, but you rose again on the third day. And I choose to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, you've never prayed that prayer, just if you said, yeah, that's me. Do me a favor on your connection card. And you just say, today I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and let us celebrate with you. God is inviting you to this wonderful relationship with him. And you will never, ever be sorry for what you did today. Jesus' name. Let's stand up and let's worship our King and This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.